Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of People Cooler Than Me, the podcast that brings you the stories of impossibly cool people who are out there making the most of this one life and hopefully inspiring a few of us along the way. I am so excited this week to bring you the story of Chef Casey Nunez. These days, you can find Chef Casey putting together the delicious menu at Medianoche, a Cuban eatery here in San Francisco in the Mission District. It's very delicious. If you live in San Francisco, you gotta go. If you're visiting San Francisco, you gotta go. Um, But not too long ago, you were actually more likely to find Casey backstage with a headset and a clipboard, stage managing at Beach Blanket Babylon, SF's infamous pop culture variety show in North Beach. So how does a professionally trained stage manager make her way from the theater to the kitchen? It was that exact question that had me totally fascinated after talking to Casey. It's super clear now that the two professions have way more skill sets in common than I originally thought. She reminded me yet again that although our paths may be windy and filled with missteps and mistakes, if we keep ourselves open to opportunities, especially the ones that push us outside of our comfort zones, and if we continue to reach out to our networks for help and guidance along the way, there are actually some pretty radical experiences awaiting us. So be sure to check out Media Noche for some of her tasty cuisine whenever you're in San Francisco, and please get to know this chef who is way, way cooler than me. Um, I'm so excited today because I am chatting with Chef Casey Nunez, currently executive chef at Media Noche here in San Francisco. That's me. But it's, <laughs> it's like so funny because that is obviously your like work title right now, but I feel like it's such a small fragment of who you are as a person and it's it's such a small part of like your larger story. Oh God, um, I'm like, I've had like 17 lives before I got to and That's what I was going to say, which is amazing. And I want to hear about all of them today. You're, you're Bay Area, born and bred. Yes, right? Oakland. So I was born in Oakland. I went to high school in Alameda. Nice. So it ties in both. Um, my family's been in San Francisco for generations. Mm-hmm. Like I actually live in the neighborhood um, where my mom grew up. Oh, awesome. And like the liquor store down the street is... Uh, there's like block away, it used to be my grandfather's uh, laundry in uh-huh. the 40s, which is kind of nuts. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, and I didn't know that. My mom told me that. I was like, oh god, it's like when I moved back to the Bay Area recently, I was like, oh, I actually like moved very close to home. Yeah, like, you truly like, moved yeah, home. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Is your family still in the Bay Area for the most part? Yeah, they're mostly in the Bay Area. I have a couple, um, I have an aunt and uncle that live up in uh, Sacramento area, Woodland. Yeah. Yeah, up there. But mostly everyone's in. Northern California. Yeah, yeah, that's so nice. I'm California born and bred. Like Central California started. Mm-hmm. We moved to Southern California. Mm-hmm. I've been up in the Bay for the last like eleven years. I lived in Central Coast for a little bit. Oh yeah, yes. where Salinas? Oh, what's up, Salinas? <laughs> yes. You know what? I think it's good. Exposure to all parts of California is good. Oh yeah, I used to live in LA. I've lived in Salinas. It's you know. It's so different. It's so Everything different. It's so different. Everything everywhere. is so different. Everyone like outside of California thinks it's like either like hippies or surfers or just just everyone is like naked and yeah. like voting for Hillary. And it's <laughs> go it's to Central definitely. California. Like yeah. go to the go to the Central Valley. Exactly. Or go like way up north and it's yeah. It's, yeah, it's very different. Yeah. Um, but it's good. I always it's really funny because after the twenty sixteen election, I think a lot of Californians, especially here in the Bay Area, were like, oh, I just don't understand 
the mindset of people in the middle of America. And I was like, well, just go to the middle of California. Oh, right. We, we're like a bubble within a bubble right. in the Bay Area. Yeah. Have, were you always into like the food scene in the Bay Area when you were a kid? Oh, Did God. your parents expose you to it? or We just ate a lot. <laughs> I mean, like, we're not like... It was just... We just ate a lot. Yeah. And uh, I actually did not, (laughs) I like never wanted to cook. Like when I was like, I was like, no, when I'm 18, like it's like when I got my diploma, immediately I was going to have like a bank account to like eat out every day. Like (laughs) I wasn't like that. Like, I mean, when you're a child, you don't really understand the logic behind that. But I was like, no, like I'm, it's like, I don't really care about cooking. And then I realized, um, I'm pretty broke. So you have to... So I was like, so be broke or um, like teach myself how to cook and make a lot of really disgusting mistakes. When So when did that sort of start for you? 18. Yeah. 18, 19 years old. Um, I mean, it started like... It's not like I didn't know how to do anything. When I was a child, I really loved to bake. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would start out like, Mom, I want pancakes. And she's obviously like has... <laughs> I mean, as a parent, like she wants to relax. She's like, just... Read the instructions on the box. Yeah. And then I would go and ask her, like, oh, like, is this a cup or whatever? And then I think it started with pancakes and pasta. Yeah. And then, like, um, cake mixes and stuff like that. So it's like, I could cook things. Right. You could follow the instructions. I follow instructions, but I was thing. never like, oh, look at this masterpiece that I created. Yeah. And I want to share it with people, and it's my art. No. I'm, Absolutely not. It, w- it was more utility than anything exactly. else. Exactly. And I was like, oh, I can do this. I can feed myself. Like, if my parents are at work, right. like, I'm not like, oh, I have to go get a burrito or I have to order pizza or something like that. It's, I could make spaghetti. You can figure it out. Yeah, I can figure it out. Um, but I, yeah, I, if 18 year old me knew what I was doing right now, oh my God. No. <laughs> Never, ever, She'd ever. She'd be super surprised. So where were you? Were you still in the Bay Area at that time? I moved to LA three weeks after I graduated high school, and I actually went to fashion school. Oh my god! I'm a fashion school dropout. Love that. Um, I went to Fitum in LA, and uh, for fashion design. Eventually, I was going to go into costume design. Uh huh. It's and to be completely honest, I never really wanted to do it. I just didn't want to be here. Yeah. I, I had this thing inside me saying, "You need to get out of the Bay Area because you don't want to end up." like the elitist as I like to call them Mm -hmm. like the Bay Area snobbery that is I mean it's a gift to be born and raised here totally I mean and it's just by some twist of fate I happened to be born in Oakland and had the experience that I did but I think what enriches my experience up until now is the fact that I've lived in like rural Maine and you know just north of Detroit and Hawaii and Alaska and like all these random places. Yeah. Because there's so many beautiful places in the country for different reasons. Right. For a lot of reasons that people don't don't understand until they go experience it. Um, but I moved to LA and uh, I dropped out after a year in fashion school and then I just went to San Monica College and then transferred to University of Hawaii. Um, so you went to FITM in LA yes. originally with the intention of going into like costume design. Yeah. Cause so I'm like, Oh, I'm familiar with theater. Was theater your first love? Oh then? yeah. I mean, four years old, five years old. I was, you know, it was like everything to me. Um, I participated in dance and theater from a very young age. Um, and it was, there was zero time period where I wasn't 
thinking about a show or working on a show yeah. or being involved ever since I was a kid. And um, I gave it up a year ago. That's so recent. Uh, yeah, and I was a I was a technician at Beach Blanket Babylon for four years. Um, one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. Um, but you know, a couple of years into it, I I mean, it's it is one of the most it was one of the most life changing experiences for me to to work in a San Francisco staple. It's you know, it is it's part of our like modern history, really. Yeah. And uh, when you when you work there, you just feel all of that. And there are people who've worked there for decades and like the stage manager, John Camiani, he, he just, he's celebrating his 40th season. It's been around for 45 years, I think 40, 44, 45 years. So he's been around pretty much the entire time. Right. And it's so cool to hear hear stories about that. But you know, a couple of years into it, I, I was enjoying it, but I was feeling a little stagnant and I'm like, is this, is this it? Yeah. Like, am I going to be a lifer? Which I could see it. Um, it's a pretty great non-union gig. But I just... Wh- I had just gotten back from MasterChef and uh, from getting cut. Wait, wait, wait. So, when were you in MasterChef? So, I never I never made it t- to TV. Yeah. Um, but I got into the top 100 for season six, which aired 2015. So, um... So then what, what changed, what happened between oh, when so, you were 18 years old to like oh 2015? There's so much to happen. Yet. There's so much to happen. So, okay. I guess rewind a little bit. I'm like jumping all over the place. But um, 18, fashion school, dropped out, uh, went to Santa Monica College. I was actually majoring in Mandarin. In Mandarin? In Mandarin. And you, you have literally lived 500,000 lives. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, Carry on. It's so crazy. Tell me more. It's, some of my decisions seem by... You know, my parents and most of my family and a lot of people are seen as like, what is she going to do? Right. What is it? But the the path is windy, man. The path is so windy. I mean, if the path is windy for most people, mine like stops at the edge of cliffs, (laughs) (laughs) like runs off the cliff. Maybe I hit a smaller cliff. (laughs) The car goes away. I'm like holding on to the side of the cliff. It's, you know, I fall a little bit more. It's, yeah, that's what it has felt like. Um... So, uh, I transferred to University of Hawaii, um, uh, and I I ended up switching majors there as well, and I majored in French, ultimately. And, um, but I, I worked, um, I worked in theater extracurricularly, and Mm -hmm. I ended up being, like, one of the only stage managers at University of Hawaii for, like, a couple years, or, like, one of the main ones. Yeah. I pretty much did a couple shows every semester on top of taking like 18 to 21 units and I was cooking full-time as my job. My first cooking job was actually the summer I came home, uh, the first summer I came home after I moved to Hawaii. Okay. So summer of 06, I, um, I was, I was a cook at the Berkeley tennis club where my parents belong. <laughs> I don't play tennis, fuck that shit. Yeah. I, I just like... But they need yeah. to eat too. Yeah, yeah. So they got me a summer job there, and you know, burgers, sandwiches, whatever. Yeah. Um, I had never worked in the service industry until um, I actually was a waitress in LA at a at a ramen house, and that's the first time I worked in in any service industry. And it was it was fun. I made a lot of money and a lot of tips. When I was twenty, you know, yeah, just 
Everything felt big. It it's a, yeah, exactly. I met uh, one of like my closest friends there. Um, unfortunately, she passed away a couple of years ago. And actually, I have a tattoo, a memorial tattoo. Oh, is that the, with the ramen Yeah, are? so I have a That's ramen nice. tattoo. With, this is actually her initials, oh, like her handwriting. really cool. So, um, so it means, I mean, her, it represents her, it represents just like that sort that of, time. I started working around food, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, and then I would just have cooking as like my job. I was like, oh, I could do it. And, um, I worked at like a custom wedding cake bakery in Hawaii and just random things yeah. like that. But I mostly worked at this, this taqueria. <laughs> that you know, there's really not a lot of Mexican food. In, I was gonna say in, in Hawaii. Hawaii, cool. But cool. It, it's, it's, I mean, it was the best that you could find on the island for sure. Right. I'm like super picky about that. It was San Diego style, so I have a, you know, I'm like, all right, it's still a little different. But mm-hmm. yeah, I did that for a few years, and uh, then I was just a home cook, and I was like cooking at home. And after I left Hawaii, I did my two equity internships um, for stage management. Um, one was in Ithaca, New York at the Hangar Theater, and then my season-long one, so for nine months, I was in Auburn Hills, Michigan. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, and I told myself, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a year mm-hmm. and see if, like, I can, I can do this. Do I have the stamina to do this? I, I do, and I did. I still do. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, then I got my first job in Salinas. Oh, and so that was for stage management. That was my first, like, it's my first job as a stage manager. It's like my... What's the theater scene like in Salinas? Well, the... It is. I did not even... So... Would have thought of that. It's, it's, you know what? It's very interesting. It's small, but Monterey County has, like, a, a group of people that work in theater there that really love it. Yeah. Money is always an issue with theater. Yeah. Money is super tight there. Um... But I feel like one of my strengths in theater, with food, and just, I guess, my life mentality is making something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could give me, like, five ingredients and I'll figure something out. I'll feed you somehow. Or, like, you give okay, me... Okay, don't tempt me because I might not be that <laughs> no, before you leave today. I'm totally down. <laughs> I'm totally down. It's, I'm all about problem solving and, like moving puzzle pieces around to see how they can work for most people because you can't please everybody. Right. But, like, to make it functional. Right. Um, So I ended up in Salinas. I worked there for two seasons. In between seasons, I moved to rural Maine, a little town called Dover Foxcroft. (laughs) Shout out Dover Foxcroft. The DF. Go ponies. Foxcroft (laughs) Academy. Go ponies. Um, So I worked um, at Foxcroft Academy, which is a private school. Um, Okay. And I... For a semester, and I helped them put on their spring musical. How was that working at like a, a private? I'm assuming high school or yes, high school. Private high school compared to like a community, like the city theater. Well, it's similar. It's similar because you know high school is like community theater within a community, right? You know, and like no one's a professional, but everyone loves to do it. You don't get paid very much or at all, but you're just trying to make something out of nothing. Yeah. You're you're trying to figure out how you're going to make art out of a bunch of chairs and some walls and someone singing or, you know what I mean? And turning the lights on. And it's all about like seeing the, seeing the puzzle pieces as a picture, Yep. you know, and, and bringing it all together. And like some puzzle pieces are best for this 
particular puzzle and some are for another project. Right. The different rainy day. Right. <laughs> I always I always say, I always like to think of like what you do in life in terms of like your work or your job as being like figuring out the types of puzzles you like to solve. Correct. And what's really interesting in hearing you talk about theater and your experience and like stage management and um, and backstage stuff is that it sounds a lot like you I mean like as you just said like throwing ingredients together and, and creating this like experience out of the tools that you have so it's really interesting that even though there are because honestly when I found out that you had this have this like dual life of, of being in theater and stage management I, I, I had no idea because um, I've only just known you as in this chef life and so I, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I don't, I don't know how those two um, sort of co- coincide or what, what, what is, fits in the center of that concentric circle. But now hearing you talk about it. Oh, and they're the exactly the same. Them. They do exactly the same thing, except it's a different medium. Yeah. Um, I can 100% say that I would not be able to do my job now if I had never done theater. Mm-hmm. It's more than just, I mean, the cooking part is such like a, a small part of it for me. It's um, personality management. It's crisis management. It's um, being able to lead. It's delegating responsibility, trusting people um, to do what you ask them to do and learning your limits because as a stage manager and as a chef, people ask a lot of you all the time. Right. And your your instinct is to want to say yes and, and, and be just able do to it myself. Right. And just do it myself, you know? And <sighs> and that's yeah. a big lesson that I've had to learn. Like I can do it all, but I shouldn't have to. And I should give people the uh, the opportunity to rise to the occasion. Because like how do you know how good people are if you don't give them a chance? Totally. And then I think too is if someone gave me a chance. Right. You know, my my drama teacher from high school. Uh, hi, can Fred. We, can, can we <laughs> hi, Fred Jacone. Can we just say God bless the drama, the, the oh high school my, drama teacher? Oh, my God. Seriously. I mean, Mine, yeah. too. Fred Jacone. Totally Shout changed out. my life. I hope you listen to this at some point. I'm going to make you listen to this. Um, he said to me when I was 14 years old, because uh, actually I was in his, I was a freshman, like, in the musical. Yeah. What was the musical? Sweet Charity. Yeah. I was baseball player number one. Get it. <laughs> and chorus. <laughs> you know, really, and... Yeah, it was it was fun. A star it was, is born. A star is born. Uh, I think one of my lines was, "What a dumb broad." And <laughs> it was, it's one of the best things I've ever said in front of a large audience. Um, anyway, so I remember after that show, I just wanted to be involved because I just want to be around theater. And he said to me, "Well, uh, you're mouthy and don't have a problem telling people to shut the fuck up. You should try stage management." <laughs> and I just didn't stop from like. I just didn't stop from right. 14 until like a year ago. Right. And um, I mean, it changed my life. And it gave me the most applicable life skills as a human being. Mm-hmm. Like, and I guess in work too, but just like even how I process things. Like, I mean, we all make mistakes. Like, for the most part, I stay very diplomatic and I try and stay pretty calm in the state of in, in like a crisis or emergency. You know, sometimes I get a little emotional, I get angry and whatever. But the thing that I've learned, like a, a huge lesson is knowing when, like self-awareness, knowing when like, okay, you need to go back and fix this. Right. You know, and um, like you need to take a step outside of yourself and see like, 
yeah, you're being kind of a dick. Like, you're being kind of a dick, and you didn't mean it, so you need to go address that. Yeah. Like, sooner rather than later. Yeah. That's a huge, I mean, everybody could benefit from that. And that's something I learned from theater. Empathy, my work ethic, um, just showing up on time is half the battle. <laughs> you know, just stuff it's like that. that. I mean, you don't have to be an actress, a stage manager, a whatever. To Those are principles that were instilled in me because of theater right and I you know when we were (laughs) I tell this story like because I think it's it's very much me um when 60 of us got cut from MasterChef Uh like we weren't gonna make it to TV Uh a lot of people were upset I mean like a lot of people put all their eggs in one basket and for me I was like I'm gonna try this I mean but I looked at it from a show business perspective like you're not always right for every part. That right. doesn't mean that you are not right for something. Amen. So I remember saying, like, people are, like, throwing shit and being like, like, fuck this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you guys, can we just have a little, like, a plum and, like, grace you know, exhibit both of these things? Because, like, you can cook, clearly. We beat 44,000 people to get here. Yeah. Just, like, take a little time, reassess, and whatever. It's fine. In the moment, and not a lot of people can hear that. You know, they just say, I'm not good enough. But for me, I was like, I have applied for things or auditioned for things that I'm not right for, but I tried it. I think you exposure know? to experiences like that are so important. Like, yeah. playing it safe and easy and always going for things that you, like, already sort of know or assume are in your wheelhouse is understandable, but then really trying they to... They serve a yourself. purpose. They serve a purpose. And then putting yourself out there for things that you think are a little bit beyond your reach or maybe it's just good to go through that and to and to build that muscle of yeah. resiliency to know that like rejection is not a rejection of like who you are as a person. No, no. It's exactly like you said, maybe you're just not right for this role or this thing. Yeah, like your your plot line has not developed yet. Yeah. It's still a pitch. Yeah. Right? It's just like it hasn't developed yet. So it's funny we're talking about like the path is wine meme line. Is like I always come to a crossroads somehow and I'm like, here's where it's going to make it easier for you. Mm-hmm. And then here's a situation where it's kind of unknown and it's kind of weird. I kind of always go on that one even when everyone is telling me like to do the other thing to make yeah. it easier for myself. I mean, I have a lot of friends currently uh, who have told me... <laughs> They're like, Casey, you're always doing too much. You're always doing too much. You always have a lot on your plate. You you do too much. Some people don't do enough, but you do too much. Yeah. I mean, if that's the definition of being hella extra, then I guess like I just like <laughs> I'm gonna, I just have to go with it because like I feel like I have not I would not be as personally successful. I mean I'm clearly clearly you're doing something right in all of this because so. look at you. And but and also I am very interested in like the science of happiness and joy and stuff. So I read a lot of books about it and everything. But uh, putting yourself in situations that are like outside of your comfort zone or novel or challenging in these ways, actually, even if it doesn't make you feel happy in the moment, it increases your happiness I mean, everyone talks about this comfort zone. Like, it's a special little area. Right. This is where I fit in this tiny little quarter-sized circle. I mean... Don't you want... Isn't, like, one of our goals in life to, like, feel comfortable and feel adjusted? So, like, if you if you are so trapped in this, like, tiny spot, like, 
how do you know what's going to be comfortable for you? Yeah. You know, I like, you know, living in rural Maine when there's like a blizzard <laughs> going on. And also at the time, uh, the family I was living with, um, the daughter of the woman who I knew who referred me to, to take this job out there. I was living with them and her daughter had a two and a half year old and was pregnant with twins. I was there five days before the twins were born. Oh my God. Yeah. So I lived in a house with new more twins. I'd never lived with babies before, but, uh, I mean, another part of my cooking thing is like, I used to cook for that whole household right. the whole winter. And like, I loved it. I loved, there were like 10 of us living in the house at the time, like nine, 10. And it would just, you know, I would just cook for everybody and we just cook together and cause we were kind of snowed in some yeah, days, but, yeah. but it, it, that's when I still didn't even know. I, that was 2011. I still had no idea. I had no inkling that I thought that I could do something with food and get paid for it until 2015. So what happened then between like Maryland or Maine, sorry, and Maine. you came back here? I came back to Salinas. Came back to Salinas. Uh, came back to Salinas. That was my second season. Um, I actually helped start like a smaller theater company within that theater. Oh, for Their, their awesome. first uh, season is called Two by Four Bash. Um, so it was, it's geared for the demographic 18 to 30 because that's where like audiences are really low. So mm-hmm. the thought process was, uh, put out relevant material that they would want to come see. Yeah. Right. Um, so we had a very ambitious first season. It was very hard. Um, but it's still going. It's, I mean, it's still going, which is crazy. And like, it's morphed into something that it doesn't look like what it, it was when we started it, but it, and I haven't, unfortunately, haven't had time to like go back, but like everything, I know I follow them and stuff like that, but it just, it makes me feel really happy that like it's, it's kind of, com- it's coming into its own. Yeah. It's living its own life. Yeah. And it's, it's not dependent its own on any of the people who started it. Which is what you want. Yeah. The people who started it, like the main people, we are all so on different paths. Like, right. I can't even, like we're all so different in personality, but also just where things have taken us in the past seven years. It's like... It's pretty cool. Um, anyway, I ended up coming back to San Francisco because I um, was in a long-distance relationship, and then I moved to be the, be here with this person, and it didn't work out. I was here for a couple of years, um, and I actually managed a hair salon in the marina for a year as my day job. Amazing. And, and while I was stage managing uh, for a community theater, mm-hmm. um, and I did that for like a little over a year, and then... Um, I applied to Beach Blanket Babylon, um, and I got it. And, uh, that was, it like, it changed my life. It's, they are an incredible group of people. They are my family. Yeah. I mean. For anybody who doesn't know, Beach Blanket Babylon is like an institution here in San Francisco. Yeah, it's the longest running musical review in the world. And it's it's so good. And it's only here. (laughs) And so I, my main track, I did like multiple technical tracks, but my main track was um, props, which is hats and wigs as well. Oh. So I got to put all those fun yes. things on people's heads for four yes. years, which was like a dream. And it, everyone there is so great and just so talented and funny. And So anyway, so I'm working there for a couple of years and I'm going through this like really bad breakup. Like, and I had to, um, so I moved out and I, Moved back to Oakland, and I was kind of, like, squatting at my grandma's house, and her and I didn't have a great relationship, um, but I, when I, um, so it was really difficult, I was kind of, like, in a transitional period, yeah. like, of, I need to get my shit together, um, I'm really depressed, um, you know, a lot of stuff, uh, also, in between, 
I don't know like how okay this is to talk about. I mean, I mean, I I'm kind of like blah blah blah. Like I, I talk about it. everything. Um, I was also dealing with the aftermath of an abortion, and mm-hmm. so I was like kind of like, oh god, like what do I do? Um, so I kind of a lot of things were going on. A lot of things were going on at the same a, time. A lot of things, and, and you know, it was the right decision. Um, it was so hard to think about it every day. Yeah, and, you know, but 2013 was the like look yourself in the mirror and what do you what patterns do you need to break wow you know what i mean like that was like i was 20 turned 28 that year and i was like get your shit together that's a big question though that's an interesting way to frame it because i think a lot of people when they're thinking about their life and and what they want to do to move forward it's like oh what should i be doing like more of or yeah but to look introspectively at everything and your experiences and what's happened and thinking about the patterns that you want to break is that's really powerful. It was like pretty much the past five years has been pattern breaking, you know, like a lot of people want to create patterns. Yeah. And for me, in order for me to create healthy patterns, I have to get rid of the unhealthy ones. Mm -hmm. So it was like, stop enabling people, um, learn to ask for help. Which is where my anxiety is completely Ugh. rooted in because it, for many reasons, but just like letting people in your life, like I've, I let people in really easily, but when it comes to like crises, like I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to bother you with it. So it, that's still something I work on all the time where it's, I need to ask for help when I need it and stop internalizing it and taking it all on myself. So it was a lot of like, what do you, what do you need to do? Yeah. Like, it's not anybody else's problem, but, like, what can you do immediately? So, eventually, I, like, I set up, um, I, like, actually wrote it down. I wrote down three, I, I wrote down three goals, like, a short-term goal, like, a mid-term goal, and a long-term goal, and to be completed within a year. So, something happened the first six months, something happened within six to nine months, something happened by the end of the year. Yeah. And at the time, it was, like, since I was at my grandmother's house, it was move out <laughs> or was it was oh my laptop was working it was like get get a computer get right. a new laptop then it was um, move out of like find my find my own place and then the long term was get a car mm-hmm. just you have a year to get a car fine digestible goals and like writing exactly. them down so it's very real in the world exactly um there just happened to be like a like a good like best buy sale so I got that out of the way I'm like yeah. cool goal done the first month Fine. And I like could do that. Okay. And then I was like looking for a place to live. And then just my mom actually sent me the Craigslist ad and it ended this place ended up being my place for three years. Wow. And so then I moved out. Uh, that was like four months after I'd been there. So under six months, I've completed two of my goals without being like, you have to get these goals done. It was like, they put them out there for myself, but no pressure. You're just gonna, it's going to happen how it's going to happen. And I think that, I know that there's some, I'm really lucky because I feel like the people I talk to most of the time do really believe in like writing things out in terms of like Mm -hmm. goals and and what you're thinking and what you want in life. And I know some people are like, oh, it doesn't really make a difference, but it does when you write it and when you put it and you're just like, you're just like holding yourself accountable. I've spoken it into existence. Like I know that this is a real thing that matters to me. And I'm a control freak. Like let's not get twisted. (laughs) I'm like a, I want to go above and beyond and I want to control everything that I can control. I don't like to control other people. Everything that's within my control, I like to feel very much in control. Yeah. Um, that's a pattern that I've had to try and 
break as well. Mm-hmm. And um, later, that will be a very significant part of this really weird path. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I moved out. And then, um, yeah, uh, then a lot of other weird shit happened. Like, I got mugged. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, like... <laughs> So then my aunt and uncle gave me a car. Yeah. So, so within nine months, I completed all my goals. Like, so, see, that's what I'm saying. I didn't buy a car. I was gifted a car. Yep. But the goal was to get me, a car. Right? And exactly. So all my goals were met. And I was like, and when I moved into my apartment, I remember I wrote down just patterns that I wanted to start creating. Mm-hmm. Right? But in no order, just like, oh, I want to, you know, run the lake a couple times a week. I want to do this, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. A couple of years later, I found that piece of paper. Ugh. And I had done all of those things literally within that year. And I had no idea. I lost it. I yeah. lost that piece of paper. Had no idea. And I had done it. And maybe there was like maybe two things I hadn't done. Like I, w- I was planning a trip to Iceland with mm-hmm. my friend Justin. And, you know, for whatever reason, like couldn't take the vacation time or, you know, whatever. But like I'd say like not going to Iceland. Yeah. And, like not enabling people and like staying single on purpose yeah. and like those sorts of things. Like, you know, I feel like those are very big goals to, to hit. And like, these are the other ones. And I, I love that like, the universe gave you that reminder that you had done it when you like accidentally found it years ago. I was later. like cleaning cause I was like a slob that week. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I was like, I'm gonna clean out this drawer and like found it. I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. So things are good. I'm working a beach blanket, you know, I'm like loving it. Uh, and then I was, this is about uh, what was it? August, 2014. I was um, out to lunch and drinks with um, one of my oldest friends, Austin, and I was hanging out for his birthday. And he's like, I've been wanting to talk to you about something. And I go, okay. He goes, I really think you should audition for MasterChef. And I was like, I don't want to do that shit. I was like, I was like, why? I was like, why? And he's like, well, I know that you can cook, and that's really not the reason why I think you should go on the show. He's like, but I just really think, person- personality-wise, I think that you would get very far. And I was like, we're doing a little day drinking, and I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. So I like got my phone, and I like signed up for auditions, right? Ugh, and I was like, like okay, so I gotta pick a dish and whatever, and then I auditioned the next month, and like I just kept getting passed through to the point where December uh, on De- it was actually that my beach blanket anniversary on December 10th mm-hmm. 2014 it was my year anniversary of beach blanket I found out I was going to LA for the, like the finals oh like, my for, god like final audition round and I was like holy shit I was like what all I did was just be myself right like right. I didn't I only had to, you know what I mean it's like it, it's so crazy so I go down there, beginning of the year, I, I'm told to pack for like three months. Yeah. You know, um, I get down there and I just meet 99 other people, like like food nerds, like who are trying to like start their lives over. And for me, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen out of this. I was like, I wasn't ever like, it's not like, oh, I want to own a restaurant. I like didn't even really know. I was yeah. like, okay. Well, so up I- until this point, cooking had kind of been... Like, a way to pay for things while you were stage managing yeah. going through school and stuff. And yeah, I did, like, Taco Tuesdays, like, at bars and stuff like that. Yeah. And, like, you know, just my own thing. And and then I, you know, uh, I went down there and I just met, like, so many amazing people. Like, I, we're, like, we always use the hashtag, like, 
master friends. Yeah. And, like, they're my family. They're, uh, like, the family I didn't know I have. And, like, um, everyone from that season, like, season six, Master Chef, they're just, we're all so different. Mm. And we all come from such, such different walks of life. And it's pretty incredible that, like, if I'm, like, anywhere in the country where someone is, like, most of the time, I mean, lives and schedules are crazy, but most of the time I can be like, hey, I'm in town. Like, let's, like, go get tacos. Yeah. Let's go, like, grab a drink or something. And usually it happens. Or when they come to San Francisco, like, I always try and make time for everybody. Um, I just think it's really important, like, um, to, no matter where they are or how spread out they are, just to establish your communities. Amen. And, like, whatever that means. Yep. Like, it's like, these are my reality TV show friends <laughs> like which is or cooking friends or theater friends or my childhood friends it's like establishing your communities and sometimes those circles overlap which mm-hmm. is like my favorite thing it's in the, the world. most beautiful thing I it love is the most beautiful introducing thing. homies to other homies uh, is like my favorite thing in the world and like anyone will tell you that anyone that knows me will tell you that like and I'm like oh my god they're friends now. yeah like yeah you know it's like I love that um so I did not make the show. Damn it. <laughs> which, is, which is okay. It's like the best thing that ever happened. I know, but like personally, I wish that there was a season of MasterChef I could have seen you on. Oh my God. It's like, I would kill for a season of reality television <laughs> with you. I mean, I was like, it's okay. Like, it's totally fine. Like I told right. all those other people, like, right. it's fine. It's right. fine. We, we met each other. You never would have known if you never came out here. Some people, some people, it was their first time ever leaving their home state. Yeah. First time in California. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to go to California in January. Yeah. Welcome. When it's now snowing you where it. you're from. <laughs> like, yeah, this is great. Um, but when I got back, it's not like I was sad. I just was like, I didn't cook for a couple of months because I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I have this like above totally it feels aptitude like, for, for this but I'm definitely not a professional yeah like I've worked in kitchens but I'm like mm, what do I do with this and and like I also like ask you what your food dream is so like mm-hmm. when yeah and I said I wanted to be a food writer but I didn't think that like being a like a like writing about food or being a food reviewer or whatever or critic had any weight unless I actually did the things like mm-hmm. did all the things like that's where you have some validity um but I was like, yeah, I was like, well, I don't know. I think maybe I should just cook. And then that was still around the same time where I was like feeling kind of stagnant with theater. Mm-hmm. And like, I kind of had like a quarter life crisis. That's like when it really kicked in where I was like, they're so real. But then it was like, oh God, I was like, do I matter to people if I'm not doing things for them? Like, do I matter just when I'm just existing? Mm-hmm. Oh God, it was spiraling. So Existential. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's the year that my anxiety, like. Like, I mean, hospital visit, panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when those started, mm-hmm. you know? And um, it's, you know, it's gotten better, like, a lot better. And I just have better coping mechanisms and and whatever. So, I mean, 2015, I'm like, mm, okay, like, we're cool. And then I talked to a couple friends, and we were going to try and go into business, and we were doing some research and stuff like that. And then I did something dumb. Uh-huh. I got a DUI. Oh, no. Real dumb. Ugh. And, oh, God, learn my lesson, like, to a million times over. Like, it happens to so many people. And, like, I used to feel like, oh, God, there's such a stigma on it. And there, I mean, there is. But, like, just don't fucking do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, and I'm, like, I mean, I did the whole breathalyzer thing. I did all that. So, $13,000, bye. Mm-hmm. Like, but 
trust me. It's and it's, the lesson the lesson is like what? Oh, the lesson matters. was learned like as it was happening. Yeah. So it wasn't like oh well, you know what? I have like a couple drinks. I could just wait. No, yeah. it's just like I mean I don't even have a car anymore. But like even if I did, it would be like no. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that was like oh god, like why am I sabotaging myself? Like I'm doing. I'm like it's like every time I'm on an upswing, and this is another pattern I was trying to identify it's like every time I'm on an upswing I seem to do something to undercut my happiness right right subconsciously consciously whatever you know I'm like what the fuck are you doing so then the end of that year that's when I was like well multiple reasons I want to get back in the kitchen because I I want to I I need to do it with purpose yeah thinking like cooking at home cooking for other people I was like Cool. I was like, I just want to learn more and I don't want to go to school for it. So, mm-hmm. cause that's money that I don't have. So I was like, I'm just gonna get another job. I also need to pay for this DUI. Yeah. <laughs> I also need to pay for this. That's another thing. So I started working in kitchens again and, but I was working full time at Beach Blank at the same time. So I was doing. Oh wow. So you were seven to nine. Yeah. Seven to nine shows a week. And then I was also, um, I ended up working at Boardroom in uh, North Beach. Yep. And uh, I ended up running their kitchen for about a year. And um, I was doing that full time. I mean, I was probably between the two jobs I was working, like between 90 and 110 hours a week. Wow. Um, and it almost <laughs> it almost killed me because yeah. I was like not really eating and yeah. I was tired and drinking a little too much for net. Yep. Just... You know, for calories, <laughs> the North Beach drink of choice. I know, for net about it, for netting about it all the time. You know, so um, yeah, and then then it was in 2016 when I'm like getting kind of really into like creating this menu and, and getting a like a more of like a food following for my stuff. Like at Boardroom, I was thinking like, yeah, like I kind of want to like leave theater and maybe focus on this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. when I was like, 2016 was when I was like, okay. Um, Cause at, at that point in time, it was, it was just not sustainable to be doing both things. It was all the time. Exactly. But I couldn't at that point survive without both mm-hmm. being financially. Mm-hmm. And I felt kind of stuck, mm-hmm. you know, and also I had insurance through beach blanket. Yeah. So it's like, so anyway, um, I tried to create a situation where I would just go to boardroom full time. It didn't really pan out. Um, which is fine. But around that time, uh, one of my friends from MasterChef, um, Jesse, he he was on the show. He, I think he was top 16. I'm, I can't really remember. Anyway, but he's from Baton Rouge. Uh-huh. Louisiana? Louisiana. And uh, he had asked me to move out there and help him open his restaurant. And I was like... Wow, Louisiana. I mean, because I used to move around a lot. Yeah. Also, I didn't even mention the fact that I lived in Alaska the summer of 2008 just for fun. So. So exposure to new environments is sort of in your blood. I mean, if if everything goes to shit, you better believe that I'm moving back to Juneau. Yeah. (laughs) Frank and Stacey, I'm sleeping on your futon in your kid's playroom. Sorry. Perfect. You know that. Perfect. (laughs) Um, So... I was like, well, I, you know, I've been kind of here for five years. I was like, I haven't moved around like I was before, like crazy. Yeah. Um, so I was like, am I ready for this? I was like, am I too old to live out of my suitcase for a little bit? And then it took me a few months just to really flesh out like what I'd be doing and, and whatever. And then I accepted the offer and um, 
gave my notice and I was like, I'm leaving and, you know, I made a big deal about it. <laughs> and like, I like did a GoFundMe to like get me over there and, you know, I made a big deal about it, two going away parties and whatever. And then I, on December 28th, 2016, I moved to New Orleans because there was another restaurant we were uh, going to work together at before we opened the other one Okay. in Baton Rouge. Get over there. You know, it's, I mean, it was a jarring experience for me, especially in this particular, in that particular election year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Trump was elected, and then I was moving to Louisiana, mm -hmm. the state where David Duke lives. Yep. So, and as a woman of color, and also a particular color that's not very common there. Yeah. Kind of just, like, ambiguous, you know, it, it was weird. Like, everyone's, like, asking me, like, aggressively, like, what are you? And I'm like... It's a very different experience very than different. you have here in the Bay Area. I had been in the South before. I just never lived there. Right. Um, and I had been to New Orleans once, just like for New Year's. It was fun. But um, but living there is a whole different uh, ball game. And, you know, the original plan of why I was in Louisiana, it kind of like, it didn't really work out. And it fell apart kind of like within like a couple months. So I was like, oh, fuck. Like, what do I do? Right. So I ended up just <laughs> staying there and I ended up like running this like giant venue in the French Quarter during all of festival season. Like I never made a beignet in my life and all of a sudden I was like one of the only people making them. You're like, like pumping them like, out. Like making like thousands of them every week and I was like, I'm from Oakland. I don't even eat donuts. I, I don't even know how to spell beignet. I was like, oh God. I was but like, I guess you probably like? did since you majored in French. At least you knew how to spell it. I could spell it and, and I knew how to pronounce it. That's right. There, there you go. go. That's, that's right. Silver, silver lining. <laughs> but it was, it was definitely an experience and just like I couldn't do what I'm doing now without theater. I couldn't do what I'm doing at Medina Noche if I had never been in New Orleans. Yeah. It was hard. It was super challenging. Um, but like, I have to say, like, festival season, like, cooking during festival season in New Orleans is a whole different experience. Yeah. Like, if you want to get your ass handed to you on a regular basis, and, but you want to cook, go there. And yep. then you'll figure out if you really want to do it or not. So sometimes, I say this many notion a lot, and I'm sure it annoys <laughs> my bosses a lot. <laughs> I'm sure it does, but, like, whenever it's busy in there, which it does get kind of busy, I always am like... It ain't Mardi Gras. Yeah. It, ain't, it ain't Mardi Gras. But but it, that's that's my perspective where it's like, no matter how busy we get here, we can always figure it out. Right. And yeah. I'm sure that is extremely helpful. It's an extremely helpful perspective for you to have. And also for people who work with you to know that you have that kind of experience. To be like, oh, if Casey isn't like stressed out right now or she thinks that we can handle this, then I feel more confident. In right. And, and, that's, you know, and that's something about management where it's like, you have you set the emotional barometer. Yep. You know, and so if you're like pissed off or freaking out, then everyone's like weird and they don't like oh Yeah, your energy it. affects everybody else's. Totally. So it's better, if anything, just to be neutral. Yeah. Even if you're not happy, just to be neutral. And everyone in my position is guilty of like go flying off the handle a little bit. But it's how you come back from that. It's humility and like embracing humility and being like, I fuck up all the time. Right, but it, yeah. it, and it's like taking responsibility for that too, and yeah. that also as the leader of your kitchen, um, I'm sure with the people who work with you instills in them a sense of like trust 
I hope so. With you, <laughs> I hope so. Like, you just you you open up that that line of like dialogue and communication, which is yeah. I mean, that's my goal. It's for everyone to feel confident in what they're doing. Yeah. You know. Um. So I didn't know if I was gonna stay in New Orleans. I was like, I don't really want to. I don't really have anything here. I don't. Like, I, there are people there still that I love very much, and um, I think with a little bit more time, I could probably go visit and be like, yeah, let's hang out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just kind of, without any plan, without a job or a place to live, like, really impulsively, I was, like, really annoyed with this, like, everything going on at the moment, and I was like, I'm going to get new running shoes, because, like, that's what people do and like yeah. everything seems out of control everything's gone to hell but you know what I'm gonna work out this summer right that's so fucking it's stupid. true though it's so true everyone's like I'm gonna get bangs yep. I'm gonna cut bangs and my whole perspective's gonna change <laughs> that's like so stupid anyway but I, I was in a footlocker like on Canal Street on my way to work I was like I'm gonna buy these running shoes and I was wearing them and I'm like yeah I'll buy them and then something like clicked in my head like my inner monologue was like bitch you don't need new shoes you need to go home <laughs> and I, I was feeling such like kind of like shame like oh god if I go home that means I failed because I'm like so type A in that way like I like to say I'm diet type A now mm-hmm. like I'm not as like that high strung as I used to be I have my moments but like in general you know I, I was just like oh shit like, okay, well, and then I was wearing the shoes, picked up my phone, bought a one-way ticket home with, like, three weeks, right? Uh-huh. I didn't have any place to live, didn't have a job, right? And I was like, holy shit, I'm going to go home, right? I'm going to suck it up and go home. And then, you know, I, like, made calls saying, like, hey, if you know anything, like, I'm down to have, you know, be a line cook at a couple places, and, you know, I know what I can afford and whatever. And then um, uh, my friend Telmo, Chef Telmo, he... Uh, owns Umakaza, the only Portuguese restaurant in San Francisco. Um, he was like, yeah, I really want you to... He said he was like, oh, I'll find a couple shifts for you or whatever. He's like, I really want you to work for me, but um, this is like a week before I moved. Uh, I feel like my friends have this situation, this scenario that would be really good for you, right? It's uh-huh. like my two, my two friends own this um, new Cuban spot in the Mission. It's called Medinoche, and they, they need a chef, um, and I think that you'd be a really good fit for them. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll, I'll do the interview. So I did my, my interview the Monday before I moved, like, on the phone. Then we set up a second interview um, for the Friday after I moved. So Monday, interview. Thursday, June 1st, I moved. Friday, June 2nd, I had my second interview and got hired. Oh my god, that is a quick timeline. <laughs> so I just like jumped right into it, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this, yeah. right? And now it's, you know, mid-January, it's like, I've been back seven and a half months. I've only been back seven and a half months. That's wild. It's so crazy. And like, um, I never imagined that I would, I, I never, like, running a restaurant in this capacity is something I never, ever, ever thought I would want to do, mm-hmm. or that I was capable of. Like, in a, not just skill-wise, yes, I can do it, but, like, capable, like, stamina. Like, do I have stamina for it? Can I, can I do this? Um, and, you know, it was really, it was really hard to stop doing theater. Yeah. Because, I mean, for me, theater is, like, if I walk into any theater backstage, I feel like I'm home. Like, yeah. Amongst costume racks and everything and just all the, like, weird conversations that happen in the green room and just 
that's my, those are my people. That's my thing. Like I was born out of that. And it's like, how do you say, like when I was deciding to leave, it's like, how do you say goodbye to something that's like chromosomal? Yeah. Like that's a part of you. Like, how do you say goodbye to home? Like actually say goodbye to home. But it's really more like, just like, see you later. Cause like, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere because it's in me. Right. Like it's literally like the best part about it is that I took everything I could have ever learned. And then I get to share that with people who would never experience those sorts of things in different parts of my life. Yeah. You know, and I'm super fortunate that I have this opportunity. Like I don't, I don't even know how or why or it's but I think it's, I think that... Timing, it, luck, and pixie dust. A little, a little bit of all of it. And I think, too, that constantly exposing yourself to these things that, as you said before, some people are like, oh, why are you always choosing the more difficult path? Like, moving to, like, uprooting your life and moving to New Orleans was a big risk. And then when things weren't working out the way you had imagined, taking a step back to be like, okay, I, I, I want to go back home and dealing with like the complicated emotions around yeah. coming back after like being away for a little bit, but, but always being willing to like put yourself in those positions is kind of, it, it feels like if you look back at everything retroactively or with the 2020 hindsight, it's like they were all leading you yeah. to this point. And <laughs> it's so weird. I'm like, Oh God, it's, it's like, I've been cooking for a lot of people for a long time, but not getting paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was weird. I'm like, you can get paid for this. Yeah. That was my thought about theater. Yeah. Like, the first time I ever worked backstage on a show and I did this performance of Annie I got a hundred dollars for like an entire summer's worth of work. I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. You're like like, 14. I'm like, I'm rich. Like you can get paid to do this. Like to move scenery in the dark. I was like, that's dope. Yeah. And it's like, I think about it now. I'm like, uh, I make sandwiches. Right. I make Cubanos for a living. You can get paid to do that. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like, I don't know if to make people food when they come to my house or like when we're drunk. Yeah. After the bar or something like that's pretty dope. (laughs) And one of the things you said earlier, too, in terms of when you, like, took that look introspectively at patterns you want to break, and you mentioned, like, asking for help, and I think that um, coming back when you, like, put your feelers out there and you ask friends, like, hey, does anybody know of anything? Oh, my God, it came back to me, like, a thousandfold. But we have, there's there's this weird, annoying instinct that we all need to get over in terms of, like feeling awkward or uncomfortable about asking for help in big ways like that when the reality is the people in your life I really truly believe like they're waiting in the wings to like lift you up they want to help you you. they want to see you succeed and like that's a really hard thing for me to accept sometimes and actually it's so crazy um like one of like my best friends in the whole world his name's Matt Holt and he's um he's just like one of the most incredible human beings in the world. Yeah. Um, we were hanging out. This is right when it was like a couple months after I got back. Um, and we were hanging out one Friday night. Um, we, were, we were about to go to this like dance party our friends throw. And we were, we were in the car just talking about, I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I'm just so happy for, for you. And like, you're just really thriving. And you know, it's just like so cool to see like that, like, you know, you married the love of your life and you're like applying your education to helping like kids lives mm-hmm. and just like all this stuff. Right. And I was like, I'm just so happy for you. And like, we've known each other since we were like 12, you know, and it's just so cool. You're like, it's so cool. And he, 
he said to me, I'm like, never forget it. And he was like, he's like, dude, like, it's really nice to hear you say that stuff. But like, you know, we all think that about you. Like, we all think that about you. And I was like in tears. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. So, but it was like, he was just like, we've been like waiting for you to like, like blow up and do your thing, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. like, we're all so proud of you. And I'm just like, Oh God, I was like, I don't really think about that. I just, I love the act of building other people up without yeah. like, is that, I mean, if you think about it with stage management, all I did was facilitate art. Right. 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 Like helping people make art mm-hmm. and like making sure it all happened. And just making, you know, calling go and making sure everything happened at the right time. But never really, I guess, to get a little, like, woo about it, but, like, never really thinking about becoming the art mm-hmm. as a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that, like, that's something that we all really should think about is that, like, you, like, no one is like you. Right, that's like well, you know, when you go to a museum and you're like, "There's nothing like the Mona, like, nothing like the Mona Lisa." You right. can't compare, but it's like, I mean, we all the Mona Lisa at some point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like in some way, we're all kind of untouchable in that way. Yeah, and it's and there's so much about like life is sort of uncovering these gifts and skills and passions, and then like not being afraid to utilize them in the ways that feel good to you yeah totally and it's like it's like we keep talking about it's never like a straight shot to like from point a to point b um some people's lives seem to be like that and you know not everyone is as (laughs) like transparent as i am you're like well i did this like this (laughs) fucked up these things happen yeah yeah and i think that's something that we could all benefit from is just being able to like share stories with each other about really shitty times because it's not about normalizing shitty things happening to you. It's about normalizing it, not like having like a, a stigma on like when bad things happen, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. No. And you know, and shitty things happen. Even if you controlled it and even if you made it happen, that doesn't mean that like it's all over for you. Like things need to stop being so, definitive so Mm -hmm. to speak all these things happen but they're like you said that no one thing is definitive and and it's about what you draw away from every experience and like how you use it to keep building and going on absolutely but I agree I think story sharing is very important and that's why I am so grateful that you sat down to share yours today and I literally could talk to you for like three more hours about <laughs> fucking everything. Um, but I know you have important things to go out and do in the world, but I just wanted to thank you so much again for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Ugh. <laughs>